This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast, and I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That was written by VJ Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly, and you can get that on Amazon. You want to get in contact with us, you can email us at onlyoneshotgolf at gmail.com. Check me out on Twitter at GallagherJRGC. Uh, or Instagram, Gallagher JR, or Only One Shot Golf uh, has an Instagram account too, so you check us out. And uh, appreciate everybody that's been listening to this podcast, and it's been a lot of fun. Today I have the University of Tennessee Lady Vols women's golf coach, Deanna Cantu, on the uh, podcast. She is a former Lady Vol, grew up in Mexico, uh, got into coaching, was the assistant coach at Baylor before she took over the head coaching job at Maryland, did a great job there, and she took over this fall as the head coach of the Lady Vols. So can't wait for you all to get to know her, and I'm going to get to know her myself uh, as a former Vol, and it's going to be fun uh, to talk a little Tennessee women's golf. Well, let's welcome Deanna Cantu to the uh, podcast. She's the head coach of the Women's Lady Vols golf team. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Jim, for having me. What's it like to be back at your alma mater uh, as head coach? Now, it has to be fun to come back, I guess, to come back home. Yes, um, I'll be honest, it's been still a whirlwind, even though it's been six months, but, you know, just to be able to come back to a place that gave me so much, it's it's almost kind of a dream come true, I got to say, and, and just feels like coming back home, which is great and really, really exciting and blessed for the opportunity. Well, we were talking before we started the podcast about the other facility y'all practiced. I had to practice at Cherokee Park, kind of dodge all the sunbathers. Uh, when we were in school, but things have really turned around. What a beautiful facility you have there now. Uh, it has to be so much fun to come back to a place like that with the views are incredible. It is, and, and even just going past, driving past the gates and just starting to see the views, even before getting to it, it's, it's just, you know, crazy to think that I get to come here every day and, you know, kind of be with my players and have this view and just have something that, I would say no other place in the country has. It's it's great. No, it, it absolutely is. I just I fall in love every time I come back, and and I just my years there were so much fun, and nothing like the, golf has changed so much since I played, and just in college golf now on TV and all that stuff. But let's get to know you a little bit better, and and and, and let our uh, listeners get to know you a little better. You grew up in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, what was it like growing up there, and then how'd you get started, and who maybe influenced you early on playing golf? Yes, well, you know, I'm, I'm from a big city uh, up northeast in Mexico, and, um, you know, just warm weather pretty much year-round, but beautiful, beautiful mountainous area. And um, I come from a family of golfers. Even my, my both my grandparents played golf, so um, just kind of had it in my blood, I guess. But my dad really, really was the person that kind of introduced me to it, and just never stopped since I was six years old. It's it's been a while, but he truly was, I guess, in in the world of golf, and just with with my career and and even now, you know, as a golf coach, he truly has been the most influential person um, for me. Uh, obviously, my mom, just in life, but just th- they were two huge supporters. Uh, they believed in me from the start and. I was the first person to, you know, ever leave home to, to follow her dream. I'm the only one that lives outside of, of even Monterey. So uh, just 
just their sacrifices, they, they, the way they raced me, um, the character that they instilled in me is something I truly, you know, make a part of my coaching philosophy and how I do things. And, and, you know, even when I recruit players, so I, I would say those, those two are key for me and we're, we're big family people. So, um, it's, it's just being fabulous having them, you know, be part of all of this and make, try to make them proud every day. You know, it has to be hard. Uh, and you know, cause you, you know, you leave not only home, but you leave another country and come to a completely different country and, and you're recruiting players like that. But, uh, what was that recruiting process for you? And why did you pick Tennessee to play, uh, college golf? You know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know, we, we can talk about Lorena here in a little yep. bit, but Lorena Ochoa just really opened not only our minds and, and our dreams to, hey, we can go do this somewhere else and in a bigger stage, but she also opened a lot of opportunities and doors for us. And, you know, I think when you look at um, players her age, there's very few out here. And then you look at it now, 20, 20 years later, and there's dozens of us <laughs> out here. So she really, you know, made it kind of possible for us to start believing that we could do it and find an opportunity to come play college golf in the States. And um, I, I played good golf growing up. I, it was funny. I actually I won the Mexican amateur when I was 16 years old. And Jessica Shepley, a former Lady Vol golfer uh, from Canada, she was playing it that year, and, and she played with me and came back and told uh, the coach at the time, Judy, about me and, um, there also was another Mexican golfer on the team at that time here. So that was just really big connections um, that that started the recruiting process with Tennessee. I, I just loved coming and visiting and, and seeing what they had to offer and the commitment that not just the coaches, but the entire support staff had for us, you know, and, and our experience at Tennessee really was just above and beyond every every other place I, I looked at. So that was a really big reason why I came here. And Mexicans, you know, college golf or even college athletics is not it's not nearly the same as it is in the States. So just really kind of coming here and seeing the magnitude of an SEC school and that football stadium with Milan and and just, you know, the the amount of resources that there there are for athletics in college that that was mind-blowing to me coming as a high school high school uh golfer so that really you know I, I stepped foot on campus and I knew this was this was it yeah you know when I was on my recruiting trip they were I think it only held 97 or 98,000 and they were playing army who at that time wasn't a very good team and it was full and I was like, I'm coming to school here. I mean, and I didn't even play football. I had nothing to do with it. But it was just that whole, like you said, the fan base and all just is, is something that's some of the best fans in golf. But let's go back to Lorena. Have you spent any time with her? Have you got to meet her? And you talked about that influence. Have you been able to spend any time with her? Well, you know, not as much as I would like. I, I'm from the Northeast, and she's a little bit more kind of southwest part of Mexico and, and Guadalajara. And um, she was actually the same age as one of the golfers from my same home course that I grew up really looking up to. And, and uh, they both went to great schools. Uh, Marcela Leon was her name, and she went on and played at San Jose State when they were top five in the country. And that was just kind of like, wow, you know, these girls are good and, and they're, they're going places. And 
those two were were competitors and they were friends and uh, I was able to see them a lot you know when I was younger kind of looking up to them and and afterwards you know I saw Lorena a few times I played a couple LPGA events in in Mexico I played a practice round with her back then uh, she's she's incredible mm-hmm. just what she's done uh for for you know just golf and and, and even education and, and with schools and stuff um in Guadalajara she's she's just really taking the time to give back and right now she's really focused on on expanding and, and like supporting professional golfers and and that's really big because they they really need that support and that push you said you played a couple of LPGA events what was that like that had to be a cool experience it was incredible <laughs> I can tell you that I was on the first tee and I was I was told by my coach at the time was like, just swing as hard as you can so that just in case you make contact, <laughs> you'll hit a good shot. That's awesome. <laughs> so, That's, yeah, I mean, it had yeah. to be nerve-wracking. I mean, and you've played now at a different level. That had to be nerve-wracking at such a young age. And they're going like, oh, it's a, like a pinch-me moment, isn't it? Like, hey, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? What have I got myself into? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, 16 years old and – I can tell you, I I never was a long hitter, so you get to that point and and you're playing really long courses and just really, really tough events and and fields, and it's like, wow, like, this is it. This this is what you need to, you know, it puts you in a place where you know what you need to do to be successful, and and it was just so much fun being out there and and having the opportunity to do that. Yeah, paved the road for the Gabby Lopez, Maria Fossi's. How has junior golf and the programs in Mexico changed over the years? Even from when you're, you know, you're still very young, but how has it changed and improved over the years uh, to maybe the current time? It's funny. It, it, it's a great question, and I, and I can say I'm I'm sad I don't spend as much time there as I want to. I I would you know love to give back so much more to that federation that gave me so much and many opportunities to come to the States. But I truly think when I think about it, it's, it's also that new generation that's coming with the younger instructors and, you know, the addition Mm -hmm. of kind of looking, getting, getting more education and getting more technology there and and all those things. I, I think it's really impacted the development of kids from a younger age and, you know, addition of, whatever you call it, speed work or, or no, just great technical instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have that 30 years ago. And, and I think you see that also from, from the influence that Lorena has had on the game of golf in the country. Well, you know, you also, we've seen kids from Asia and all over the world watching YouTube and learning how to play that way. So just social media, I'm going like, do what? I mean, my dad was a club pro, you know, he instantly, of course, growing up in Indiana, you played basketball in the winter and you played golf, but uh, they did. We've seen guys, and I know I've, I've, I've read of a couple of the guys, I don't know about the gals on the LPGA, but they've watched on, I think they did, they watched on YouTube, Tiger Woods, of course, mm-hmm. influenced mm-hmm. everybody. But yeah, I mean, just how things have changed. And like you said, better instruction, better managed golf course. Tiger Woods made it cool to play the game and he brought the masses in uh because like mm-hmm. when i was growing up it was like and i don't mean this disrespectful it was kind of like well you played the piano but you didn't want anybody to know you did it you know you were like oh i play the piano <laughs> but i don't want anybody to know i do it you know you just loved it uh but golf's not like that now because everybody wants to play and, and, and it's such a a worldwide game but you mentioned when you got to knoxville the language changed and i think that's the thing and having two daughters that played 
one at Mississippi State, Mary Linden and Kathleen uh, uh, was playing at uh, LSU. When the international players come in, there's a language difficulty. It's not so much that you don't understand, but you have to listen to professors and then get it all together. That had to be a big challenge for you, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, and as you, as you say all those things, I go back to nightmares. Big situations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember. I mean, writing notes and literally just writing what I heard. Yeah, you know, phonetically sometimes names that then I I would be taking a test and I'm like, is this the same name that <laughs> the professor was saying? But it, it it really was, you know, and and I came speaking what you would say fluent English, and it was still. Um, a big, big challenge and, and just things like feeling comfortable just saying jokes or, you know, speaking mm-hmm. out loud, you know, with, with, with friends or, or teammates or being afraid of saying something wrong or, or messing up and, and then making fun of you. But, but it really was, they never made fun of me. It, it really was fun. like, it was a great bonding experience because I wasn't the only one that came from a different country at that time. Right. And that was big because we were able to connect that way. And we were, you know, everybody's away from home at some point. And, and that just kind of makes it your own family here. So. And, you, and you had common oh, yeah. ground. You had common ground. Y'all were in it together. Exactly. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I look at Hideki. Uh, he understands, like you said, he understands English, but he's afraid to make a mistake. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. imagine uh, that the two years I took Spanish in high school, I had to cheat just to get through that, but, but just to go in there and, and try to, to, to learn it. And, and you do, you feel like if I've gone to another country in Japan and you try to your best to speak the language, but if you don't say it properly, you, you feel like you're embarrassed. And, and, I, and it, it would be a challenge, I would think, for everybody. But your teams made it to the NCAA three out of four years. You had some great teams there. Judy did a good job there. Um, and you had a, a fun career there. What was going to be the next move? Were you going to turn pro, or, or are you going to? Why did you get into coaching? It's kind of two way question. <laughs> yes. Well, I came in thinking I was. You know, I, I came in with all the the intentions of I'm going to turn pro after I'm done, and and that was the goal. And you know, I was a really big fish in my country, and then mm-hmm. you come here, and it's a whole different story. And I started to realize that I was lacking a few things that were going to help me be successful. And, and I, it's funny cause I was like, I don't really think I want to be traveling every week, which now you think about it and I'm traveling every other week. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very similar lifestyle, but I just, my experience here, it's funny. My, my teammates called me mama D. Uh, I was just that kind of person that was, trying to take care of other people, trying to help other people out. Um, just kind of had that, I don't know, like helping others, mentoring others kind of personality as well and, and just desire. And as I kept, you know, I, I became an upperclassman. And I was like, this this might be a really good idea. You know, I love golf. I am super competitive. I just, I'm not as passionate about professional golf as I used to be. And but I'd love to stay in it and, and help other people have the incredible experience I'm having. So why don't I give that a try? And and I was blessed enough to be able to get into coaching right after I graduated. Who gave you your first shot? What was your first job? Yeah. Jay Goble at yep. um, Baylor university. Yeah. It was, it was just the right time and, and uh, the right step. And, and it was the best decision I ever made. And I'm, I'll, 
always be grateful to him for the opportunity. Yeah, my daughter Mary Langdon was a, I guess, the, everybody, kids in golf, is they go by their graduation and high school dates. So she was a 2010, uh, and she was at Mississippi <laughs> State when you were at Baylor. And I remember we played a few times with y'all, and y'all had some really good teams. Jay does a good job down there and continues to do a good job there. But uh, you were there for three years, and then you get the call to go to Maryland. You're young, and you become the head coach at Maryland. I mean, that had to be so cool. It is. It was crazy. I I had been at Baylor for three years. Jay had given me the opportunity to learn a lot. He gave me a lot of responsibility. And, you know, I'm 26 and I'm like, I got this. I can Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I started just trying to get opportunities out there, just interviews, right? I kind of started to get ready for for the big ones. And then all of a sudden, I, I bet you they called somebody else that said no at Maryland first, but... I got the call and I couldn't believe it. And, and I told Jay and he was, we were all shocked. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you got to do this. I mean, you don't, you don't get an opportunity to be at a power five uh, as a 26 year old, you know, often. So it was great. And, and I can tell you Baylor was, what's just amazing. Um, But we, we came in into a great situation that the coaches prior to us, I mean, our freshman was an All-American, and the player we had committed to start the year after, so our second year there, was a Big 12 freshman of the year. I mean, we, we really came into a great team that just needed a little bit of guidance, and and that was helpful, you know, kind of to me to be able to get to Maryland, but I got to Maryland thinking it, it would be as, as easy of a transition as it was at Baylor, and and it wasn't. What were, wasn't. what were those challenges? Is that now you're the head coach. You're 26 years old. Uh, and you're now the head coach. And like I said, Power Five, Big Ten, uh, versus mm-hmm. the the challenge of you know being the assistant. Because I know what the assistants do. I've been around it long enough. You, I'm not gonna pick on the head coaches because you're a head coach now. But the assistants do a lot of work <laughs> uh, behind the scenes. And and but what were those challenges that first year or two getting that program going? And 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 you're only 26. You're not almost the same age as the players, and, and that had to be mm-hmm. a little tricky at times. Absolutely, I think that was one of my biggest. Um, I don't want to say fears, but but just a little bit of that, right? Where you're only six years older than most of them and you want them to respect you and you are the head coach and, and you have a vision and ideas that, you know, they didn't sign up to (laughs) necessarily. Right. They, they, they thought they would play for someone else and, and I didn't recruit them either. So that, that was an interesting first time taking over a program. And, and I think one of the things I've learned the most from that time and coaching was and just being young was that I just I just thought everybody should be like I was you mm-hmm. know and why aren't why don't they like it as much as I do or why aren't they practicing the way I would and and learning that and I learned that quick is everybody is different and everybody's an individual and something different works for each of them and and the faster and the better I can be at getting to know them personally and what motivates them and why they are, you know, who they are, the better I'm going to be at coaching them. So I think that was something that with the years at Maryland, I got really good at and was able to create a team that was very cohesive and, and just, just really talented and, and was able to, 
you know, achieve a lot. You know, teen chemistry comes natural. And like you said, uh, it, it, it's like raising, I have four kids. I got three daughters and a son and their personalities are all different. And you've got to figure out, you know, their love languages, what, what makes them tick, how you get them to do things. And it's completely different. Like you said, you come in with kids that maybe you didn't recruit. How do you get kids to, and you're in the situation now, uh, taking over in Knoxville. How do you get kids to mm-hmm. buy into your coaching? How did you make that transition? Uh, sometimes it can be tricky when you're dealing with, uh, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds that are away from home for the first time. Absolutely. And, and I think really my experience at Maryland is helping me tremendously here because even when I was still at Maryland, I said, if I were to do this again, I would do it very differently because, you know, I have obviously more experience and, and you learn from your mistakes. But I think that's been the the biggest difference here. I came in more on the sense of like, I want to know who you are what you want, what you need from me, what can I expect from you, all those things of a lot more on the relationship side prior to anything else, right? Because I'm trying to shorten the amount of time uh, to get to know them because I will have less time with them. I didn't recruit them. So I'm already taking over a year's worth of, of a relationship. So just really focusing on who they are, their personality, what what takes them like how do they respond to adversity um how do they need to be pushed you you have to speak to each of them differently right to get mm-hmm. the same out of them so really being focusing on that and, and just they were craving that too this team really wanted to feel like a cohesive team and kind of having each other's backs and and we're focusing a lot on that we we have thrown a lot at them um, in the past four months and since we started practicing and, and competing. But I think it's been a little crazy for them. But now we've gotten to the point in the spring where all of those things are just habits now. And, and they're just things they do without thinking as much. And, and I think that's what, where we will see the impact of what we've done the last four months. But we've really invested a little bit more in getting to – know them as people right and we're getting ready to leave to go on a training trip to south carolina and we're spending probably only half of the time playing golf and the other half just getting to know each other more and spending time together and i've truly realized that the more these kids trust you and the more these kids know that um you care about them that's when you'll get the most well said from them most motivated you know it's it just when you Steve Spurrier, who coached against the Vols for all those years when he was at Florida, one thing he said that you could, uh, you know, I, I hated to lose to him all the time, but he respected the fact he said he knew he was a successful coach when his ex players brought their kids back to meet him. And like you said, mm-hmm. you get it, you still have to be the coach, but you're building that relationship. They want to know that you care for them. And every coach that I've had on this podcast that talks about, I want them to know I love them. And because you're like, mm-hmm a mom to them. You're the extended family when they leave. They're, they're leaving home for the first time in four years and they get homesick. I think the doors of communication are so important to have open because there's going to be times that maybe they're not playing well. You got to find out what's going on in their world. Maybe that's the job of the assistant coach. Maybe that's that your job, but that has to be open. 
because you just don't always know what's going on in their heads. There's so much going on in the world. It's such a crazy time for them. And, and, and you're right on track with that. I think you're going to be so successful now in Knoxville because you were successful in, in Maryland. In 2021, your team's second in the Big Ten. They go to the NCAAs. That had to be a tough – you want to come back to your alma mater, but that had to be a, a tough talk to those kids telling you're leaving uh, now that you got the program going in the right way. You're excited about coming to Knoxville. That had to be a tough talk – with the kids back in Maryland. It was, and, and I'm worried about talking about this now because I can get emotional, but uh, just, you know, you've, you've invested so much. You've seen the growth. You've, you see this kids, you're, you're in it because, you know, you see them walk in as freshmen and then all you want to do is like see who they're going to become when they walk out, right? Graduated. And, and I think that's, that was the hardest part. I mean, I had a great staff. I had a great support. We had done a lot. And and I had put together, you know, with with a lot of times, just a great group of women who happened to be super talented at golf. And, and it was very, very, very difficult and um, a di- tough decision. And I had friends and a community, and, mm-hmm. and it takes time to build. And I know I'll do it here with time, but... I just to see what they accomplished, uh, it was incredible. And and like you said, I mean, we had a great year. We finished second at the Big Ten Championship, and I still have a hard time talking about it because um, it was tough to lose. But that same team, those uh, three seniors um, that were in that position in 2021, well, they were in the exact same position as freshmen four years prior to that, and. And we lost again. I, you know, we lost again Michigan State both times. So both times were heartbreaking. But, but when you see all of that, like the whole full circle of, of what they had accomplished and just going to nationals and, and seeing that for them, what they believed in the vision, they knew that they would get there. That's, that's, just, that's why you do what you do. Yeah, you're gonna do great, Knoxville. I'm so happy we got you. You're, I'm just, I'm, I'm a big fan. You had me at hello, but uh, it doesn't matter with that. But, you know, when you, you get in there and, and you come in here, the fall maybe wasn't as good uh, as you would have liked. I mean, but what do you tell the kids? You know, as you get into the spring and get them going, and you've got a goal, what you're trying to do, and you're preparing them. What do you tell the kids now as the springs? You know, they've had some time off, and, and the weather's a little bit cooler. What do you tell the kids this time of year? Get them ready for the spring season and, and get off to a good start. You know, we, we kind of try to see the fall season as a just pure learning and growing uh, semester, not just for them, but also for the coaching staff. And even, you know, with us, with them, but also assistant coach and head coach, right? Because mm-hmm. we hadn't worked together either. So it was a lot of new things, a lot of changes. And and I think we're, we're wanting to see it as that and now come back in the spring and just really capitalize on the things we learned and and just go and have fun. Um, I do tell them that our names are written on this season, so we still want to make it the best that we can. And the thing is, we, we had some health issues in the fall, so we, we weren't where we, where we needed to be when we competed. But if we're healthy this spring... We have a good team, and mm-hmm. we can all kind of click when we need to. I, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we do really really well. So, really, just kind of enjoying 
this semester and making the most out of it. And it's all about, I mean, you hear this all the time, but I truly believe in leaving the place better than you found it. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to have those seniors really kind of give it their best this last opportunity that they have. Uh, I, I'm sure you wish you could go back sometimes, right? I oh, definitely yeah. do. And so, but it's not, it's not coming back. So just that's the one thing I definitely learned is that, you know, just try to do the best that you can now because it's gone. <laughs> yeah. And that was his chance. So. That's expectations and you can't let your expectations strangle. It's something I told my kids and my girls when they were playing and even Thomas, no matter what sport they were playing, it's like, as long as you prepare and put the time in, and you know 100% in your mind that you've put the time in. That's all you can do. Now you just have to go execute. Mm-hmm. It's when you leave the course mm-hmm. going like, man, I should have practiced more. I should have done this more. That's when mm-hmm. you get in trouble. And, and I think you're right. I think a lot of it, we just don't enjoy it because, I mean, you haven't been out of college that long. But I don't know if I would do the things the kids do with the workouts and all. It's a job now. I mean, my team was – I'm not even going to talk about that because some of the things that we did and had so much fun. But we had success – with a bunch of guys that no one really had heard of, uh, but we just we bonded as a team, and we still now we're all in our you know late fifties. I'm sixty. We have a golf reunion. It's like we left off the day before you know yesterday, and it might be a whole year since we see each other. And those are the bonds you have for life. Uh, I had Kendall Graveman on the podcast. He's a pitcher for the White Sox, and he said, and he's pitched in the World Series for the Astros this past fall. He told me his most memorable time was his time at Mississippi state as a pitcher with the team, those bonds and those things you, 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 you do as a team and you do those things in college. And he said, I'll take that with him as long as he lives. And I think that's what y'all were doing there. But when you're out recruiting and you're worldwide, cause I'm, uh, you weren't in town for the, uh, the reunion. We had them at Bailey and Kayla. They said, you're recruiting. What are you looking for a player and where are all are the places you're, you know, recruiting at now? Yes. We, I mean, I would definitely try to go global. I um, am looking, (laughs) this might sound cliche, but I am looking for great people that happen to play great golf. And that, that really is a big thing for me. And that's something that comes from my family, right? Like they really focused on that character and like earning things and being grateful for, for what you earn and, and being respectful and integrity and all those things. And then, then you put that, great golf on the back of it wow you're really gonna achieve some special things so uh that's that's big for me i mean obviously when i'm out there i look at their fundamentals and how good they can um chip the ball put the ball that's that's big and and can they play you know at this high level the sec is a big it's a monster and you, you got to be ready for it so definitely you know obviously like how how good can they play? But I'm really I'm really picky at who are we bringing in, you know, to be part of this. Who's going to get on the bus to take us where we want to be? And and we really spend a lot of time talking to them, getting to know them, asking a lot of questions, not just about golf, but who they are and how they react to things and adversity and everything like that. Because it's all about the character. If you if you bring the right people in, I I think not even the sky's the limit. There's no limit here at Tennessee. Well, you know, it also is this, just this past summer's first time you had in-person recruiting. You all went for almost a year and a half, two years with, couldn't mm-hmm. even see the kids. Uh, and I think the kids that are coming in, maybe not so much this year that came in this year, but the next year or so, 
those kids haven't spent any time with coaches. The coaches didn't spend any time for me. And then the transfer portal's crazy in the other sports, but you're seeing it in golf as well. So it's kind of getting back to normal where you're getting the kids that you want in there. And that's so important. Who's going to fit in? Who's going to stay here the whole time? And, and good people, that, and you can find them. Uh, but you don't. it's hard to get it because it's, it's very limited on the time you get to spend with them. But I know fitness has become a big part of golf. Uh, it's a big part of college golf. Uh, and I know you uh, love that. Uh, how important and how has it changed, even from when you were in school, which wasn't that long ago, to, to current time? How has fitness changed in, in the direction the kids are going in now? Oh, my gosh, so much. And even before I started college golf here, I mean, I, I don't think I ever lifted a, a weight. So just transitioning to that was, was tough. Um, but 15, 20 years ago to now, it's still, I mean, the technology, how we can make sure, you know, just track mobility so much better, you know, with the, with an actual camera rather than just with the eye and, mm-hmm. and just the amount of technology that we have uh, out here in our, in our workout facilities. And uh, everybody has their own, you know, kind of training pro- program with an iPad, in the rack and, and just the resources are, are incredible. And, and I do put a lot of emphasis on it because we are competing. A lot of our tournaments are 36, 18. That's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of golf. And, and, you know, I mean, college rounds are, are five and a half rounds sometimes. So it's a lot of time out there. And, and I think, and I learned this from my coach here that it's, it's hard to build mel- mental toughness in golf, you know, and, they're out there putting and stuff like that. It, it is there, but but a really the weight room is a great opportunity for us to do it. You know, when when you seem like you're struggling, like, can I get through this workout and can I get through this cardio? And it just makes you tougher and gives you more confidence when you do. So um, for me, that that's super important. And, and to even bring it to a higher level, I, I train with them. You know, you? I want okay. them to know that absolutely – I want them to know that, and I am willing to do what I ask them to do, you know, and, and that I'm right there with them. And, and it's also, you know, I, I can judge a little bit too, if the workouts are what I think we need and where they really tough, where they, do we need a little bit more of this or that? Uh, I think it's been really helpful for us and we might get to a point where I won't work out with them, but right now I think they, they also respect that I go out there and, do what they're doing right and push myself did i read you were tpi certified so you kind of understand what it takes because it's not so much weights it's it's they're trying to create speed they're trying to flexibility they're also trying to prevent injuries mm-hmm. i think that's as much exactly. as anything uh you know I've, exactly. I, I've, I've watched my girls both kathleen and mary langdon if you don't have the proper person working out with them they can get hurt if they do it incorrectly working out both of those girls uh, of my girls got hurt in workouts and you see it, so it's important to have the right person uh, doing that and everything. But uh, you were an assistant on the 2021 Arnold Palmer Cup for the international team, and now I think you're the head coach uh, for this 2022. That has to be cool. That has to be really <laughs> an honor for you, huh? Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I got the call, and I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was super excited. It was something that when the women were added to that, that event i i knew i kind of put it on you know like your goals mm-hmm. that I, I wanted to be coaching for that team and and when it happened i i was super excited and 
And just to be part of, obviously, I mean, Arnold Palmer and his legacy and what the event means to golf and, and to our kids, it's harder now. A lot of them are, you know, they're a lot younger now, so it's hard to kind of know a lot of what he did. And so having that extra effort to continue to to teach that to them is is something that has no prize. And, and we have to take, you know, kind of like ownership of that and some responsibility to keep on doing. And, and it's just honestly one of the best weeks of my life. And I can't wait for Geneva to have been in July and, and be out there and, and be competing for, yeah, it, for the cup. You're right. I mean, our, our game has tradition and it's a, it's a huge part of our, and we've got to respect the tradition. And I know, we fight with golf being cool a little bit with it, but it's about tradition. That's what that separates our sport. But the question I always ask, and I know you know this because I, I gave you a little bit of heads up on this, and you're coaching this international team, but what separates that elite player or athlete from the average or the rest? You've played at that elite level. What separates that elite player? God, I mean, honestly, Jim, I think it's that, that one person that is dying to hit the winning putt. Mm. Or is, you know, just dying to, like, wants to be first in line to go close a match or to be that person that, um, you know, just seals the deal, right? But that person that doesn't run away from a challenge, that they actually run after it. That, that to me, I think, is is something that really separates great players from from good players and and. That's that's what I want for this team to to be like, right? Like we obviously we we all have fears and we all have challenges, but are we gonna run away from them or are we gonna go after them? And if we fail, we fail, but we put ourselves out there. And I think elite players just kind of crave that. They crave having that winning putt. It's why you and, practice and, and having the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's why you practice. It's like the old cliche or the old saying, hey. He wants the ball or she wants the ball. Uh, they want to make that winning shot or winning putt. You're right. I mean, that's that's what separates them. But uh, what have you learned about yourself through this whole process, not only as a player but now as a coach? What have you learned about yourself now uh, as you take over here? What's the one of the biggest things you've taken from just maybe in coaching? What have you learned about your, yourself as a coach? I think, I think like I mentioned earlier in that um, it's not about making the – teach the players to be like me. It's about meeting them halfway and learning who they are and, and making the best with that, right? Like trying to, trying to understand them as individuals and respect them as individuals and help them be their best is, is what I truly enjoy learning rather than trying to make someone be someone. It's kind of like that, making somebody swing the club the same, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody swing the club the exact same. You can't do that. And so I think that's that's been the the thing that I've learned the most and kind of navigating that. Of course I don't have any you know all the answers, but but that's what's intriguing about coaching cuz it's you're I mean, at the end of the day golf is just a small a small part of what we do and and a lot more has to do with with that relationship with the players and that trust and, and that openness of, you know, that dialogue of how can we be better? And, and that's been the, the biggest thing for me. And with my 10 years of coaching, that's what I've learned the most on how to be better at that. You've kind of answered the question, but when your kids graduate from 
Tennessee or Maryland, wherever, and your kids have graduated. How do you want them to describe you as a coach? That's always a tricky question. I've asked only that. I've only asked that a couple times. But how do you want them to describe you as a coach? Um, I think as somebody that loves them, that believed in them, um, that cared about them, and that was also tough enough to make them better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I always tell them in the recruiting process that I'm I'm a nice a really nice person, and I'll run through the wall for you but I'm always going to be really tough as well. So it's, it's uh, a little bit of both there. Um, but if they know you care, I think that comes from a, from the right place. Same way with my kids. As long as they know you love them, you can discipline them and get them to do whatever you want. As long as they know you got your back, you're mm-hmm. exactly right on that. But you mentioned you all were going to South Carolina. Uh, when does the season start? When uh, you kind of answered it anyway. What, maybe the goals or expectations. And I shouldn't say expectations, but what are some of the goals maybe for the spring for y'all? Yeah, we we have our first tournament in Houston, February twentieth, and then we kind of go nonstop through hopefully May. But we just want to leave it all out there, and um, we want to do the best for our seniors and send them in a good note, and just kind of really believe in in. Uh, taking care of every day and if we take care of today every day that all adds up and we're prepared and and we just go out there and play so uh, just continuing to believe in that and continuing to just come together as a team and and the vision that we have for this program we want to be winning mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I love them and 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 I said all of those things but I also love to win so we we want to be out there competing for championships soon well, I'm looking forward to watching the Lady Vols, and I wouldn't be surprised if you really have a pretty cool spring. And I'm getting to cover our college golf finally and working for the Golf Channel, and, and I'm looking forward to following you all and keeping up uh, with the progress. And I appreciate you being on the podcast today, and, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch uh, where you take this team. I think you're a bright future for them, and, and Coach Webb and, and Coach Bo have done a great job on the men's side. I think it's going to be exciting for uh, Tennessee golf, both on the men's and women's side. But uh, appreciate you being with us, Coach D, and, and good luck to the Lady Vols. And as we like to say, go Vols. Absolutely. Go Vols. Thank you. What were you thinking on that play? Take a lap and when you come back, maybe you'll 